morning devotion, we also use the six for that um, all week long. Um, sermon is identical. No, it's not identical. <laughs> but you might hear some things that were that you heard uh, during the week, so that'd be cool too. Um, this morning we're going, to be, we're going to be using Divine Service 3, and for all of you who grew up in the Lutheran Church before I was born, <laughs> but guess what, before most of you were born, that was the, the um, uh, main service, it was page 5 or page 15 in, in the Lutheran hymnal. We're doing what would be page 15 because we have communion. But they were both loved. All he said is I'm on page 5 or page 15 and everybody knew what we were talking about. And it's, uh, um, I had never seen that um, until I went to the seminary. I never saw it at seminary because they were using the ELW until my last year of seminary when they sent me out to churches who had pastors who were either missing or on vacation or things like that. And every single congregation did that. And every single congregation requires that a chant. Yeah. I got kicked out of chanting class. Literally. No lie. First day. Um, which is okay with me. But my first congregation, guess what? Page 5, page 15, and they chanted page 15 every other Sunday. So, so, so we're chanting some today. So you can follow when uh, it in the next divine service three. If you want to follow it in the hymnal, it'll also be on the, the screen. Um, also, um, if you for the hymns that we're using today, you can follow them in here. The very first hymn, six, no, eight thirty-three. Yep. Listen, God's calling. It's a a uh, responsive song. So our worship team is going to sing the leader part, and then everybody else sings the next part. And so on the screen, it'll be, your part will be in yellow, I believe. It'll be in yellow. So that'll make it easy. Or you can just go to, go to hymn 633, and you can follow it in there. We've done it before, I think pre-pandemic. I don't think we've done it since the pandemic started. Um, it's a great thing. It's, a, it's a, an African um, hymn. And it's a, it's a great preparation for starting a worship service. So let's all rise and sing this.
the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart, and confess our sins to God our Father, beseeching Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sins. We take a few moments of silence for self-reflection on God's word and self-examination.
be with you. Let us pray. Oh Lord, graciously hear the prayers of your people. That we who justly suffer the consequences of our sin may be mercifully delivered by your goodness to the glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for this morning is found in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, verses 5 through 8. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. His heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parts places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a plant, a tree planted by water, that sends out its roots by the stream, and does not fear when heat comes, when its leaves remain green, and is not anxious at the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle for today is found in Paul's Writings of First Corinthians, excuse me, First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verses one through twenty. Now I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and then he appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, they appear also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that has been me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. 
And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We're even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testify about God, that he raised Christ, whom we did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, there are all of all people most to be paid. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please rise for the reading of the gospel. Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place, with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all the crowd sought to touch him, for the power came out from him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil, on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich. For you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Do you guys like bubbles? Why do you like bubbles? 
Great answer. Let me help you. Hot rod bubbles. We don't have to make believe today. Actually, bubbles are from our school. I did forget my bubbles. So, bubbles. Clothes, socks. Does that make you happy? 
Oh, wow, cool. That makes me happy. Um, but they never made me happy. I got socks for Christmas. Uh, you got toys. And then you go, you have dinner, you play, you come back, and there's nothing under the Christmas tree. Is that happy or sad? Yeah. Because things disappear. The things we put we, that make us happy are short-lived. So what do we do about that? Where do we turn to? What's that wonderful word? It begins with J. Does that help you? E. Jesus. Good job. Right? Because that's where the true happiness comes from. From everything he's done for, for us. Even the sad thing of seeing him on a cross brings joy to us because that's what he did to save us. Isn't that amazing? And we never lose that happiness unless we run away from him. It's always given to us. See, you're smiling now. That makes it great. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for all the things of this world. Especially those that make me happy. But the real happiness comes from Jesus. My Lord,
Instead, 
He takes delight in the law of the Lord. He thinks about God's law day and night. Now remember, just for clarification purposes, when you hear the word law in the Old Testament, you and I should not confine um, this to simply a set of rules that you and I must follow. But rather, what, what you hear law, but when you hear law in the Old Testament, think of it as teachings, teachings of God. And this is the way a, a disciple of Jesus Christ is to think about God's law day and night, 24 hours a day. And our Gospel reading from Luke 6 today highlights the absolute importance of relying on God, of listening to God as a priority in your life over everything else and people in our life. Today's Gospel reading reminds us to regularly open up Scripture and be exposed to God's wisdom. So here's your first thought moment. Why? Why does Luke remind us to regularly open up Scripture to be exposed to God's wisdom? We probably would have multiple answers that takes us from A to Z. But I don't know that Scripture kind of help us with this one. Um, I should suggest if you have Bibles open, you might find our Bible app. So you can follow along with me as we go. I think it will be on the screen. First um, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. says, The world does not know God's wisdom. For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. So it simply again says, The world does not know God's wisdom. And today's gospel reading highlights this. It appears to turn everything upside down and inside out. How many of you like your life turned that way? Good, no masochists this morning. <laughs> but for many people, this doesn't make sense at all. What 1 Corinthians says is, is confusing. They would rather live their life um, the way the world suggests to live than the life God suggests to live. Romans 3, verse 23, we're reminded that everyone is a sinner and falls short of God's expectation. Romans 3, 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in John, his gospel, chapter 3, verse 17, we are told that Jesus came to save the entire, entire world, and that's is why Jesus died. John says, For God did not send His Son to the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. So God loves you. He has reached out His hand to save each and every one of you. Whether you're here, or whether you're watching us online. So how does God turn everything upside down? In today's gospel reading again, we see that what is considered important for many people, wealth, having plenty of food, being happy, looking good, and being liked, is simply dismissed by God as important. 
Now let me just remind you, it's not bad to be rich, it's not bad to have plenty of food, it's not bad to be happy. It's not bad about looking good and being liked. It's bad when we use that and we replace that for God. Because that often gets in the way of God. And so God dismisses it as unimportant. In fact, God indicates that if these are your goals in life, if this is what is important to you, then you're living an incredibly dangerous life. A life that could be well, could well, very well affect your salvation and the salvation of those who are close to you. We'll get back to that one later. Listen to Luke chapter 6, verse 17. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. Discipleship involves Jesus meeting people at their level. The people Jesus came to were from two types of regions. One region was renowned for its dedication to God. The other was not so renowned. Jesus shows zero favoritism. He does not favor you who are sitting over here more than those who are sitting over there. He definitely doesn't favor you or me more than you. Because he favors us all. He favors the people who are outside this church. More than that, too. Jesus does not discriminate. He comes down to your level, whatever you are. My level. Everyone's level. But here's your second thought question. Where does Jesus meet you? Think about this one before 3.30 this afternoon. <laughs> well, those of you who have watched the Super Bowl commercials <laughs> are the game. Where does Jesus meet you? Is this the only place that Jesus meets you? Heaven forbid. It's not a bad place. This is a great place to meet Jesus. But are you leaving here when you leave the door? That's a whole other discussion. The whole other sermon. When Bible translators translated the Bible into languages of many different people, into languages that they could read and they could understand, this was Jesus coming down to their level. At my second congregation, I had a young lady who was born in Vietnam. She came over here for family when, when she was a, a young little toddler. Her, her first language was Vietnamese, her second language was English, and she spoke English very well. And uh, she, she married an American, and uh, he, he was losing, and we took her through, uh, through confirmation class, if you will. But she wasn't getting it. And I kept spinning my brain. Why is she not getting this? Jeffrey, you talked to her. That was the husband. You talked to her at night. Yeah, you told me to read the Bible to her. Nothing was connecting. So I had an acquaintance that was down on the coast of Texas, a pastor. We had a ministry to the Vietnamese. So I called him. I said, what am I doing wrong? I know God wasn't doing anything wrong. 
He goes, what Bible are you using? I think I was using the NIV for that class. He goes, English? I said, yeah. There's your mistake. A few days later in the mail, I received a Vietnamese Bible. I gave it to her. I got a phone call from her husband. Pastor, I can't go to sleep. Why? Because she won't put the Bible down. <laughs> What's wrong with that, Jeff? Read it with it. I can't. It's in Vietnamese. So, um, but it's a heart language. God took it and put it into her heart language so she can understand it. And she truly, today, you know, has a heart for Jesus. Because he came down to her level. When you share Jesus' love through your life, through your work, amongst your family and friends, to people you know, that's Jesus coming down to their level. When any member of the congregation comes visiting you, bringing you support and encouragement, whether they indicate they are from this church or not, this is Jesus coming down to your level. There are many things that come into our lives. So as a disciple of Jesus Christ, needs you and me to be focused on Him. Discipleship involves being focused on Jesus more than anything else above anything else. And being focused on Jesus means listening to Jesus and being healed by Jesus. So it means you need to take your fingers out of your ears this morning. Because Jesus speaks through our, our worship service, our liturgy, speaks through the songs and the hymns we sing, speaks, God willing, through this, the sermon I preach, well, certainly speaks for the body and the blood that we share if we can. Listen again to Luke chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. Who, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases? And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. People, whether they go to church or not recognize that there is power in Jesus, not an oppressive power, but a caring, loving, helpful power. Isn't, isn't it interesting that when people are troubled or in need, that one of the first places they turn to is, is the church? Why do you think that's so? That's what you think about that. Why? Why do people turn to the church? I'll share with you what one person said to me who came to church seeking help. They said, I believe that God is a God of love and that the church is God's agency where this love is available. Think about that for a moment. Let me read that to you again. This person said, I believe that God is a God of love and that the church is God's agency where this love is available. How do you react when someone asks for help? Or someone specifically asks you for help? Remember the people who cross your path are the people God has put in your life so they can experience His love through you. Let me tell you a story of a person who came seeking help, and I'm just going to call him Tim. So Tim wasn't 
the most attractive guy. He didn't have much to offer and had so many problems that he could probably write not one book, but two or three about all the problems that he had in his life. And from time to time, he occasionally would come to the church seeking help. And depending on who he met, depending on, or depending on the help that he got and received. Some people would try to ignore him. Others would suggest he go here or there for help, believing that it was someone else's responsibility to help out. That specific agency existed to help the needy go there. And some people would listen to him and try to help him out if they could. Tim then got sick. He had a lengthy stay in the hospital. Some people from the church who helped him out actually visited him one day. And one of them said, Tim, God loves you. Tim responded, I know. And I experienced some of his love for you and your congregation. He said, when I first started coming for help, I was simply after a handout. But some of the people at your church showed me that God truly did love me, despite my appearances, despite who I was. They listened. They gave me food and occasionally some money. They treated me with respect like no one else. And over time, I began to be fed with more than material things. What these people said about God loving me finally started to make sense. Through their actions, Tim said, I could see that God's love is genuine. That He truly, unconditionally loves me despite my flaws. You know what? The interaction from Tim changed the perspective of some of the members of that congregation. No longer do they see people seeking help as a problem or people attempting to rip off the church. Rather, they saw people needing Jesus' love. And they saw their interactions with those seeking help as an opportunity to share God's love in the same way that He loves us. So as disciples of Jesus Christ, we should not be concerned about people's motives of coming to Jesus or the church. If we are honest with ourselves, we probably have a few motives of our own for seizing Jesus that is simply a bit selfish. Or you can fill in the blank. You and I should remain, be, we should remain focused on Jesus, on the unconditional love that He wants people, especially undeserving people, to experience. And remember what the scriptures tell us way back in Genesis chapter 50, verse. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. When anyone intends evil, God can use it for good. Because God's love is His love that brings healing to people in many different ways. So part of the responsibility of being a disciple of Jesus then is to, re is to receive God's love, but not just keep it, to share His love. So this week, I give you a challenge. To share God's love with someone that you think 
spoke it ill of. And says, woe to those who are rich, satisfied, laughing, and are well-liked and spoken well of. We suggest you to think of it this way. Who do you think realizes they need God's love? Those who Jesus says are blessed, the poor, the hungry, the crying, the hated, or those in the other group? Those who Jesus says are rich, satisfied, happy, and loved. It's not a case that God does help only one group and not the other, but it is a case that one group realizes it is God helping them, and the other is easily led to believing that they really don't need God because they can take care of themselves. Number 10. He came for material things because he was down on his luck. And he ended up receiving something that outlasts any material thing that he was given. He received the way to eternal life. The people who are focused on being rich, being focused on being satisfied, being focused on being happy, on being focused on being well-liked and spoken well of. We'll do whatever it takes to make sure that these things happen and even tone down their relationship with God and other Christians. And sometimes even look for excuses why they should avoid difficulties in their relationship with God. God does seem to make our life difficult sometimes. We follow his way of life. But please understand this. The life of the disciple of Jesus Christ will involve being poorer than you can be. Being around the poor. Being hungry and being around the hungry. Crying and weeping and being around those who are sad. And even being spoken poorly about and not being liked because you speak the truth. And here in those occasions, God will bless you. He will bless you and, and, and those who are struggling. Why? Because God's love and blessings are clearer when we need to rely on Him more. When we fill our lives with our own importance, with what we have and can achieve, and it is too easy to push God aside and out of the picture. And we trick ourselves into believing how good we are. But the reality is, what we are capable of is incredibly small. Even when we achieve it on this earth, and even if we think we are achieving something, how long does it last? Like the bubbles. How many seconds were the bubbles there? What effect does all the things that we want to do have on our eternal future? And if we are truly focused on being, bringing the good news to people, that our values and values and ways of life formed by Jesus will at times conflict with the values and the way of life that the world attempts to form us into adopting. And so when you see someone who's poor, hungry, crying, or having their name dragged through the mud, get beside them. Show them God's love. Be God's light to their life. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus.
Gracious Heavenly Father, forgive us for the times that we forget what Jesus asks of us. Give us the strength to understand that being well off and being okay and being happy is okay. But let it never interfere with being your disciple. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us rise and profess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the union of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you sent your Son to reconcile the world to yourself and to make peace by the blood of his cross. Give us courage to seek forgiveness and reconciliation with one another, that your peace that surpasses all understanding rule our hearts and our minds. Lord, in your mercy. Yes. Lord, there are many divisions in your church. Too often we have identified ourselves as those who follow earthly years rather than as those who follow Christ. Bring unity where there is division, peace where there is discord, and reconciliation where there is conflict. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, comfort all those who are suffering in grief, especially those who now lift up to you silently. Console them with the hope of the resurrection to eternal peace and life. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, strengthen all marriages. Encourage those who are single and help us to recognize the value of each person. For all have been redeemed by Christ, the crucified and risen one. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, bless all pastors, teachers, church planters, missionaries, musicians, and servants in your church. Embolden them as they plant and water good seed in your kingdom. We humbly ask you to provide growth where and when you will. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we commend all these things to your infinite mercies, which are new every morning. Lord, in your mercy.
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and at all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. For what had been hidden from before the foundation of the world, you have made known to the nations in your Son. And him being found in the substance of our world nature, you have manifested the fullness of your glory. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying,
Now that the body will have ordered their release, by be strengthened and preserved in the true faith for life everlasting. Go.
Good announcements? Lorraine? Thursday, not oh, this Thursday. I'm sorry, I forget what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> next up, it is? Wow. 
Okay, mark your calendars for the 24th, Thursday the 24th, 12 o'clock. And you can give me a great favor. If you think you're coming, send Jason a note at office at readingtlc.org or call the church because we're going to provide the lunch too. And I don't want anybody to go hungry. I don't know what it's going to be. It might just be a little vegetable plate. Now we'll take care of it. I promise somehow. All right? Okay, you're, you're supplying that? Really? Dick's freaking prime rib today. We're good. Uh, wow. Thanks, Dick. I know. You didn't hear me call this call. So today, so in making force of today's sermon and the gospel of Luke is all about our, how we live our life in God's way. And, and the best book for that is the book of Romans. And it just starts on page one and says, all the wrong things we're all doing, let's do all the right things we can. So we just started that class last week. Doesn't matter if you missed it, because we will catch you up this week with the second lesson that starts in approximately five minutes. So um, I think I'm going to go that way so I can change this morning. If you need to talk to me, hang, hang out real quick, let me get changed real quick. But everybody else, go get some coffee, uh, tea, water, and enter the fellowship hall for the Romans Bible study. Thanks, Sam. I asked if you had any more announcements. You think I can remember everything? I cannot. Okay, one more announcement. Look at the screen. You know, I should have known because I had to walk right past it to get to my office today. There is a lot of red when you go that way. And it has got so much sweets in there. Um, it is the Valentine's Day song. So, if you haven't got a gift for somebody yet, you might find it on one of those couple tables, so you might find it. So, do that quickly, get your coffee, then meet me in the Bible study class. Sound good? Say yes. Yeah. Thank you. Go to Peace, Serve the Lord. We'll see you all online next week, too.